You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my Father in heaven. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my father in heaven. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. Sing again. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. I will sing again. I will sing again. You are my Father in heaven. You are the Spirit inside of me. 
every way as we begin to sing and we begin to worship we can't even fathom it this is much too great it's much too deep and singing is the only way we know to express it we come to you this morning to praise you amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve. How precious, dear, that grace appeared the hour I first believed. My chains are gold, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing Secures. He will my shield and portion as long as life endures. My chains are gold, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. His mercy reigns Unending love Amazing grace My chains are gold I've been set free My God, my Savior Has ransomed me And like a his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. 
the sun forbear to shine, but God who Stretched out on a tree, he took the nails for me, and living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, and rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day, oh, glorious day. One day the grave is will no longer. One day the stone roll 
away from the door Then he arose over death he had conquered Now is ascended my Lord evermore Death could not hold him The grave could not keep him From rising again And living he loved me Save me, buried he carried my sins far away, and rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. trumpet will sound for his coming one day the skies with his glory will shine wonderful day my beloved one breaking my savior jesus is mine living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day oh glorious day glorious day What a glorious day when Jesus is coming again. Friends, he's coming. And we have these few years here on earth to prepare for eternity in heaven. That's our purpose here. Preparation for eternity. And the sermon here this morning, uh, I hope will help you do that. We're, we're preaching through the Bible. And we've taken each book. We uh, looked at Ruth a couple weeks ago. Last week was uh, 1 Samuel. We looked at David and Goliath. Today is uh, 2 Samuel, primarily, and there's a smaller story. Sometimes I try to take the big story out of the the book, sometimes the smaller story that you might have overlooked. This is uh, David and Mephibosheth. You ever heard of Mephibosheth? He's uh, he's an interesting character, and what I love about this story is that what happens between David and Mephibosheth is a lot like what happens between God and us. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5, just to prepare you for for what happens. And then we'll turn to 2 Samuel, which is the focus for today. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 says, When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. He's talking about David. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him 
and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his girdle. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So David's gaining in popularity here at the beginning of 1 Samuel. And uh, even though Saul is already beginning to grow suspicious of David, Saul's son Jonathan sees something in David that appeals to him. And it says that Saul, I mean that Jonathan made a covenant with David in verse 3, which is important. All right, now let's skip over to 2 Samuel, verse 4. Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle at the end of 1 Samuel. And so when Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle... All of Saul's household fears for their lives because David has ascended to the throne and they assume that David is, is going to hunt them all down and kill them to secure his place on the throne. 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. So what do the servants do? They run for their lives. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan that they were killed came from Jezreel. His nurse took him up and fled, and as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Actually, I think the nurse was running with five-year-old Mephibosheth in her arms, and she fell on him, and in doing so, crushed his little feet, and he was lame the rest of his life. Now skip over to chapter 9, verses 3 through 13, for the rest of the story. Mephibosheth is hiding, okay? And here's David, and David the king said, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Well, all of Saul's household, of course, is suspicious of David's intentions. Why do you want to know where Saul's household is? Are you going to wipe them out? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Zal, came to David and fell on his face and did obeisance. Why? Because Mephibosheth assumed this was his last day to live. And he answered, behold, your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he did obeisance and said, what is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belong to Saul and to all in his house, I have given to your master's son. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's son may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame. In both his feet. That's an interesting story, isn't it? What does it have to do with us? I've got an outline in your worship bulletin. Let's pray.
Father, as we come to consider this often overlooked story of David and Mephibosheth, help us to see ourselves in the mirror and assume that you are out after us when all the while you want to bring us into your kingdom and give us a place at your table and present us with all the inheritance that your Son, our Lord Jesus, prepared for us. Teach us, O Lord, about how you uphold your end of the covenant when we uphold ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've talked about this before because this is fundamental to understanding the Bible. The Bible is, is divided up into two testaments. Am I going too fast here? Two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Greek word for testament is diatheke. That word really means covenant. So the Bible is a story of two covenants, an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. The Old Covenant was a covenant that God made with Abraham and his descendants in the book of Genesis. The new covenant is the covenant that God made with Jesus by his death on the cross. What's a covenant? We don't have anything like it really in in our world today. A covenant is where two parties come together and become one. The closest thing we have is marriage, where we sometimes we swap names, uh, where everything I have is yours, everything you have is yours. er, No, everything you have is mine. And you trade all things and hold all things in common. Matter of fact, a marriage is called a covenant of God, isn't it? It is a covenant. Everything is shared. Everything becomes one. Why this is relevant is that not only did God enter into a covenant in the Old Testament through Abraham, but but here's a covenant between Jonathan and David, 1 Samuel 18. Chapter, verse 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved David as himself. He made a covenant with David. And, and we just read that and it just goes right over our head. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we've got to understand that this is a miracle that such a covenant would even happen. Because Jonathan has been raised his entire life in Saul's household. He is a son of King Saul. And ever since David began to ascend in popularity among the children of Israel, Saul began to teach Jonathan that David is your enemy. You keep an eye out on him. He is vying for your throne. If you aren't careful, he is going to win the approval of the people. He's going to take your throne away from you, and one day he will kill you and all your family. So Jonathan has been raised like that and taught and trained like that because the whole household of Saul is in opposition to David. I mean, Amos 3.3, 3, can two men walk together unless they be agreed? Of course not. So how in the world did Jonathan and David make a covenant? Well, Jonathan saw things in David that appealed to him. Saul had be- become opposed to God. David was a man after God's own heart. Jonathan began to Uh, be attracted to David and and what David had in his life appealed to Jonathan. So they made a covenant. And anytime a covenant is made, it's called a cutting. 
You cut a covenant in in verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his girdle. What does that mean? That's in the process of cutting a covenant. Whenever you cut a covenant with somebody, first of all, you exchange your coat with them. And what that signifies is all that this coat wraps up, everything, all my clothing, all that I have is yours, all that you have is mine. They exchange their weapons. What does that mean? It means I'm dropping my defenses. I'm making myself vulnerable to you. I am anything you need is mine, is yours. Anything you have is mine. My checkbook, I'm going to put your name on my checks. So all of that belongs to you as well. There's usually a cutting, sometimes where there's a a cut in the skin. Like, you remember how Indians had blood brothers or something like that, and they would cut their skin and the blood would flow together? That happened in the cutting of the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant as well. There'd be some kind of cutting on your hand, maybe on your wrist, and the blood would flow together, and you would have that scar remaining on your wrist that would be a reminder to you that wherever you go, you aren't just representing yourself anymore, but you're also representing that person with whom you are in covenant. That scar would be a constant reminder. Then there'd be blessings and curses. Blessings if you uphold your end of the covenant. Curses if you do not. Sometimes there'd be a memorial, either a stone or a pile of stones would be set up as a reminder of a covenant. So when people walk by, they'd say, oh, What's that pile of stones doing? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a reminder that Jonathan and David are in covenant relationship with each other. And that'd also be a reminder to Jonathan and David as well. And then there'd be a covenant meal where they sat down together and feasted and their families and everyone came together and ate in this covenant meal together. Why this is significant is because when two people enter into covenant together... It's not just those two people they represent. Those two people become covenant heads so that their entire families, their descendants, yet unborn, are also covered in this covenant. David and Jonathan are saying, not only am I in covenant with you, but my children, my children's children, my my great-grandchildren, and your descendants, all of them will be in covenant relationship with each other as well. What David and Jonathan established that day would impact their families and their descendants for all time. So Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth grows up in Saul's household, as did Jonathan. He's taught to hate David and to fear David. When Mephibosheth turns five, Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle in Jezreel. That happens at the end of uh, 1 Samuel. It's a pretty scary story. Pretty bloody how they die. News gets to Saul's household that Saul and Jonathan are dead. David's coming for the throne. They pick up all their belongings, the babies, and they run in haste to safety. This is where the nurse runs and falls on Mephibosheth and he's crippled the rest of his life. And he escapes to this wilderness called Lodibar, which is on the backside of nowhere. Well, the problem with this is that all this fear that Mephibosheth has conjured up in his mind that he has been taught his entire life is totally and completely unfounded and unnecessary. Either Mephibosheth didn't know that his family was in covenant with David or he did not understand it. Because if he had, 
he wouldn't have run from David. He would have been covered by David's blessings. So in 2 Samuel 9.3, David finally convinces one of Saul's household named Ziba, one of the servants. Is there anyone in Jonathan's household who's still, still alive that I might bless him? And, and all of Saul's household think, yeah, we know how you're going to bless him. You're going to put him out of his misery, aren't you? Finally, one household servant named Ziba trusts David and his intentions enough to say, yes, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. He's hiding out in Lodibar. Immediately, David dispatches soldiers to Lodibar to retrieve Mephibosheth and bring him back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine what's going through Mephibosheth's mind when those chariots and those soldiers come wheeling up in a cloud of dust in front of the hideout where Mephibosheth has been hiding? It's like SEAL Team 6 landing outside Osama's compound. You know, it's not going to be good. And Mephibosheth says, I mean, he says, I am a dead dog. I know it. I know it's all over. But instead, David brings Mephibosheth back to the palace. And he treats Mephibosheth as his own son. He says, everything, Mephibosheth, that belonged to your father, Jonathan, now belongs to you. All of Saul's servants are going to serve you. Everything they work to produce is going to be for your benefit. And not only that, Mephibosheth, but you're going to have a place at my table for the rest of your life. Mephibosheth can't believe it. I don't deserve this, David. I am as a dead dog. And in that instant, Mephibosheth sees the lie that he's been living his entire life. He has believed that David was out to get him. And in reality, all David wanted to do was bless him. Because Mephibosheth was in covenant relationship with David through his father, Jonathan, as Jonathan's descendant. A covenant doesn't depend upon what you deserve. It depends upon what has been done for you. Now, this is the message of the New Testament. And it can't get any more plain. I can't do it any more clearly than David and Mephibosheth. The New Testament is the story of the New Covenant. And God has entered into, God Almighty has entered into a covenant with the human race. And our covenant head was Jesus Christ. We are bent against God. We have been raised in a household that taught us to fear God and to run from Him. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sin has hid His face from you so that He does not hear. Isaiah 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous. No, not one. We are like the ones living in Saul's household. We don't deserve anything. We have believed the lives of Satan that God is out to get us, but God in his mercy 
chose to enter into a covenant with the human race through Jesus Christ. And in so doing, Jesus became our covenant head. And when Jesus became our covenant head, he he instituted the Lord's Supper. And you remember when he held the cup up, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And, And the bleeding, the scars came from his wrist and his feet and his side that were pierced on our behalf. The blessings and curses, the blessings come when you're in a relationship with God. The curses come when you are not. You're punishing yourself. The scars remain on Jesus as a reminder of what God chose to enter into freely and willingly. With We could never enter into a covenant with God. But God chose in his mercy to enter into a covenant with us. The seal of the covenant is the mark of the Holy Spirit, which he has placed within us. So what are we doing? Rejecting God as Lord and Savior. It's like we are living a lie. We are running and hiding in Lodibar just like Mephibosheth did. We think he's out to get us, but really he's out to bless us. He's out to bless us because we are in a covenant relationship with him. We can be through Jesus Christ. You don't deserve it. You're absolutely right. You don't deserve it. You and I should be like dead dogs. Our salvation is not based on our worthiness. It's based on the worthiness of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to cut a new covenant on our behalf between God and us. And the wounds on his body are the scars of the covenant. The seal is the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We just have to stop running and hiding and fearing God, being afraid of him. We just have to say, God, I I can't understand it. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me from my sins and in so doing cut a new covenant with you and it's recorded in the New Testament for us. I will worship you. I need your grace and forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. I accept it and I receive it. And I praise you for it. We're in the same relationship with God that Jonathan and David were. David was out to bless Jonathan's household. God's out to bless us. Believe in him. Admit your need. Receive it. And say thank you. Jesus died on the cross when I did not deserve it. I am a sinner. There is none righteous. But God, I receive your love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Thank you. Fill my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we pray? God, we see this story of Mephibosheth who was just running and hiding and robbing himself of the blessing that David wants to pour out upon him as a result of something his father did years earlier. And we are so much like that. We are running and we're hiding from you. We're afraid that if you get a hold of us that you're going to do something mean or torture us or spoil our fun. 
And all the while, you just want to bless us. You want to give us the riches of an inheritance of your sons and daughters, and you want to give us a place at your banqueting table, and you want to spend now and forever with us in fellowship and a love relationship. God, help us see the truth. And like Mephibosheth, throw ourselves at your feet and admit our sin find grace and forgiveness available through our blessed Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross the blood that was shed the scars that remain the covenant that was cut on our behalf and the opportunity we have now to receive the blessings from that covenant We are like dead dogs. We deserve absolutely nothing. We are unworthy from head to toe. But your mercy made this covenant possible. And we receive it. And we say thank you. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn to give you the chance to respond to that covenant that God made for you through Jesus Christ. I'll be at the front to receive you. You come if you'd like to profess your faith, rededicate your life, or join this church. Now's the time. Please come.